It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is time for another segment of Silver and Black today. He, right over there, is Mo Moten. I am Scott Colbranson. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We are here with you talking about the Raiders. Raiders coming up on Christmas Eve, playing in Pittsburgh against the Pittsburgh Steelers in what is, of course, every game now is a win-out scenario for the Raiders. They have to win all of them to have any chance and uh, we will go through the playoff scenarios next week if they win this week. Well, I'm not even doing it this week. I know a lot of people are starting to do it. And I'm like, yes, there's a chance, but don't even think about it. If Santa's nice and brings you the, the win and, and you're able to think about playoffs next year, then we'll talk about it. Um, but let's dive back into the Derek Carr stuff we had talked about. Number one was the temperature, and we'll get to that in a second. But overall, a couple more reports, Mo, and I want to get your reaction to these. We had early in the week, um, uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus, had a story entitled Realistic Trade Value and Landing Spots for Veteran Quarterbacks. Now, again, realistic means there's no indication this is going to happen, but these are possibilities based on current scenarios with teams around Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Derek Carr, and some more. Those three guys are named, Mo, I think primarily because, look, Lamar Jackson's been unable to come to an agreement with the Ravens. We know that going back to last offseason. He's also hurt right now. Uh, and so his future in Baltimore seems to be maybe a little bit in flux. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, we've been following that all year long. We know what's happening there. Not, not any certainty there whatsoever. And then, of course, Derek Carr, which we talk about all the time on this show. So with these guys, um, they went through this. And, and in essence, uh, what they said was, look, the way his contract is structured and the possibility that Derek Carr could be traded uh, because he does have the no trade clause. Uh, he's got three years left on a contract, which is $116 million uh, and $3 dead cap for, for the Raiders of $5.625 million. And what they did, Mo, is they said, hey, if there's a trade, their, their number one trade partner that they identified completely guessing here, of course, folks, uh, is the Buccaneers. Because the consensus is Tom Brady's probably going to be done there. And so uh, he's saying, or they're saying that the Buccaneers in this scenario send a 2023 first and a third for Derek Carr. Now, let's start there, Mo, because you and I talked about this a couple of shows ago. If Derek Carr were to be traded, were to be, and that's a big if, um, then we talked about maybe teams would want to give future compensation or the Raiders might want to get future, meaning 24 picks, because you could probably get higher picks. I I think they're off base here thinking that the Buccaneers are going to give the Raiders a first round and a third for Derek Carr. Am I wrong on that? Or do you think with where he's at right now and where the Buccaneers are at in their situation that they might be able to pull a first round draft pick for Derek Carr? I actually think that's possible. And I'll tell you why, because if Tom Brady is in fact done with the Buccaneers, he moves yeah. on, what's the Buccaneers concession plan? Because they're probably, in my opinion, the Buccaneers are going to make the playoffs because they play in such a 
bad, bad division. <laughs> so they're not they're not gonna have a top 10, top 12, top 15 pick. So they're they're not gonna turn to Blaine Gabbert. I mean Kyle Trask. I mean, is he? St- they don't have they don't have a plan, a backup plan after mm-hmm. Brady leaves, and they won't be able to draft the guy high. Now they signed a bunch of guys to contracts, so they can't splurge on a bridge quarterback either. Uh, now their car salary would play into that if they acquire him, but they're gonna have to rework some things. It's not an easy pickup if the Buccaneers have to move on from Tom Brady. So I can see them actually doing that because there are some people out there, and you may feel this way, that Derek Carr is not gonna fetch a first round pick. I think he will. I don't think he'll I don't think he'll get I don't think he'll get a first round pick from a team that is already at the top of the order, like like I said, Houston Texans or the Carolina Panthers. I don't think he would get that level of first round pick, but a team that as the Buccaneers are going to be probably a team that's outside the top 15 picking on the back end of the first round. I think a team like that would prefer to take Derek Carr with their first round pick, than draft the quarterback that late in the first round and throw a dart at a, at a prospect who's not a blue chipper, but maybe turn into something in a year or two. The buck, remember the Buccaneers have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They, they got weapons over there. They have a roster that can win now. Why would they want to start with a rookie quarterback in 2023 versus a veteran that they can plug in right away and start winning football games? Yeah, it's it's a good point, and I think that that again, so much of this this speculation they have, and this is this time of the year as the season winds down, we see this from outlets, right, Mo? Which is, hey, there there are guys going to move, and and there are there is uncertainty, even with a player like Lamar Jackson, uh, a former MVP. Uh, and with Derek Carr, with all the talk and the chatter around that situation, and primarily, remember, before people get too upset, especially those of you who who really, really, really like Derek Carr, um, the reason they're doing this is because of the way his contract is structured. That out they have in that contract is is to me what brings this all up. And then, of course, the way the Raiders have underperformed this year uh, makes some people believe that the Raiders, I don't think that they're going to do as much as people think they are, are going to rebuild. And if they're going to rebuild, then maybe they would be willing to dump a veteran quarterback uh, and the money associated with that, which we've talked ad nauseum here. So that's number one. Number two was uh, Hondo Carpenter's report over at Raider Maven Sports Illustrated's website, uh, which was also linked uh, by our friends over at Raiders Beat. Um, Hondo went into a deep dive around Derek Carr's future. And, and the interesting thing about this was that he's talking about it, number one, because we're, we're still seeing this conversation. Uh, but also, he said uh, he had an anonymous source, okay, okay, with the organization who said, this is what this source said to Hondo Carpenter, uh, according to his report. It said, quote, Derek has been different this year. His teammates have noticed it as well. He has given maximum effort, but he seems to be easily frustrated. Um, I don't know what bothers him. I love him, but it seems obvious that he is not his old self. I love him. I want him here, and I'm not rooting for a change, this person said. Uh, I can only imagine the constant barrage of negativity gets effing old. And that was a source uh, to Hondo Carpenter. So not surprising, Mo, that he's frustrated, but it sounds like the frustrations and his personality. And I, I, I've i said this, right? When I was going and advocating towards the middle of the season before the three-game winning streak that I thought they should maybe move on from one another, I said it from a mutual standpoint. And this is part of the reason, which was like Derek Carr has got to be just tired of this. 
a new coach comes in, you get the excitement, you got a new playbook to learn, and you're like, okay, I'm committed. Let's do this. We're going to turn this thing around. And then each time it's like thump, 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 right? And now it's doing it again. And so I can see why he might be different to his teammates because he's, it's 10 years, dude, 10 years of constant dysfunction. Who the hell would want to stay in it? Who the hell wouldn't be frustrated? Who the hell wouldn't have their personality change? Can you imagine working at a job for about a decade? You're doing your best. People are criticizing you every day, telling you you should be let go of from your job or sent to another place instead of where you work at. And in the meanwhile, you're learning something new every two to three years because there's changeover at your workplace. Now, I'm not absolving Derek Carr and saying that, you know. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts you know, the drop off in this play is all because of the changes. But you got to understand that anyone who's positioned, if they feel threatened by their, you know, in their position, they're going to be agitated. And if you watch Derek Carr during these games, after every completion, I, I, the, the TV, actually, the broadcast actually shows his reaction when there's an mm-hmm. incompletion, when there's an interception, when there's a turnover, a turnover on downs, a botch play. Derek Carr looks frustrated after every completion almost. Now, I know that's an exaggeration, but they literally show his face and he's, and he, Derek Carr doesn't curse, but Derek Carr is like super, super frustrated after every misplay. And we saw it kind of bubble over when he had that press conference a few weeks ago, right? Remember, mm-hmm. he teared up at the press conference and the Raiders went on that run. So you're kind of seeing it bubble to the surface with him anyway. We're all seeing it publicly. So I understand it. You're criticized week in, week out. But in, in fairness, that's what comes with the job of being a quarterback in the National True. Football League. When you're a quarterback and you're the most important player on your football team, you're going to get the criticism when your team is not performing well, whether it's warranted or not in certain situations. So a lot of people want to say, leave Derek Carr alone. And and I understand that as a fan, you don't want your guy to be criticized over and over again for the same things because you've heard it all before. But that... That's the news cycle. And and coming up through learning, news writing, and stuff like that, when people talk about you constantly, consistently, it means you're important. It means you're yeah, someone of true. interest. So if you're going to try to spin it into a, not a positive, but not so much into a negative, you look at it as Derek Carr has all these trade articles and columns that come out are because Derek Carr has a lot of value. And I said this on Twitter that – a lot of Raider fans may not value Derek Carr because of the wins are not there, the red yeah. zone woes, as we talked about in this show. But he has value across the league. You know, more than a, more than a handful of teams would leap up to get a Derek Carr on their roster sure. and get them going in the right direction because they absolutely need a, a capable, not even just capable, but a top 12, 13, 14 quarterback. Yeah, he's not Mitch Trubisky, right? No which you'll see in Pittsburgh. And so that that's the thing. He does have value, whether you like him as the quarterback or not. I get that. But at the same time, these some of these folks also who who do that will will, will criticize and 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 talk about firing Josh McDaniels 
and he hasn't even finished a year, which I just find is ironic because it's like you have a guy on year nine and you get excuses there, but the coach is just in year one and he doesn't have all the players yet and you want to give – and I'm not making excuses for Josh McDaniels. I'm just saying fan hypocrisy tends to to kind of depend where you're at on the scale of what player and who you're talking about, whether it's the coach, the player, on defense, offense, whatever. Very, very funny in my, in my book. But, yeah, I, I think that that situation and, and the fact that he has value, you're going to have it. And because quarterbacks are the key position in the NFL on the team, it doesn't matter who you are. You have to have a good quarterback. You and I talked about it last show about the Jets. If the Jets had a real quarterback right now, where would mm-hmm. they be? Three wins better? Probably. I think so. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just goes to show you that, yes, the, gra- the grass isn't always greener on the, uh, on the other side. Now, I'm not saying the Raiders don't make a move or that they shouldn't if the right thing comes along because you got to always improve. Uh, but clearly that's where at. But still, we're seeing stories go back and forth about that. And before we move off, Derek Carr, we'll re- revisit the cold weather scenario, Mo. Uh, you look now, I look back at it, and according to um, uh, uh, CBS Sports, Derek Carr is 0-6 in games where the temperature was 37 degrees or less at kickoff. That includes the loss in Cincinnati in the playoffs in January of this year. So he's, he's not won a game in weather under 37, and the wind chill will be minus 4, uh, and the temperature itself will be about 7 or 8 degrees in Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve. So uh, Derek Carr's got an opera. I, look, I always look at these stats, and I say, okay, 0-6. That doesn't fare well for the Raiders. But the great thing about stats like this too, Mo, is you always have the opportunity to break that. Exactly, and... I try not to get too far into stats like that circumstantial, <laughs> circumstantial like that, yeah. Because you know there's there are so many factors and context missing from that. Who do they play? What type of team did Derek Carr have around him? And that. So I just kind of deal with the now, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, I feel like the Raiders have enough help, even if Derek Carr doesn't play well in the cold. Let's say he doesn't play well. The Raiders still have enough help around him where they can win that football game, primarily because they have Josh the league-leading rusher on on their roster Absolutely. right now. So if you have the league-leading rusher on your roster and going up against a team that recently gave up a ton of yards, then that didn't give up a lot of yards against the Panthers last week. But before that, Steelers were kind of inconsistent with their run game. If you have that advantage, then, as you said, you can kind of change the narrative on those uh, circumstantial statistics on Derek Carr being 0-6 temperature and freezing temps. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're going to hear a uh, game preview from our producer and correspondent, David Stepanian. After that, Mo and I will get a little bit into this game. What we see is advantages, disadvantages for the Raider. We already talked about the weather. That's a disadvantage, number one, uh, and uh, where we might see this thing ending up. And then we'll end the show in the Christmas spirit, eating rainbow cake, having a little bit of... What do you drink, Mo? Do you drink eggnog? Are you an eggnog guy? No, you can't like eggnog. I can't stand yeah, eggnog. I'm I, definitely I, that's not what an eggnog I figured. guy. Nobody oh. in my house is either. <laughs> so so we, we we drink coffee or we drink... Uh, we have a little have a hot toddy or something like that. That's what I like because I like bourbon. So I can... And any whiskey, I'm good with. So that's what I tend to take a little bit of... Um, Christmas Eve, get to sleep really nice and fast. So it's all good. But um, when we come back, we're going to stay in the Christmas spirit. We'll recap what we think of this game and give you a preview as well. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We'll be back right after this message. Don't go anywhere. 